No one ever knows what evil lurks in the shadows, what makes its home in the void. A lone group of heroes band together to become the light in that darkness, to face the oncoming storm. I'm Drew, and I'm the Dungeon Master. I'm Jordan, and I'm playing the half-elf sorcerer, Theranor. I'm Donnie, and I'll be playing gnomish rogue, Lemmy. I'm Juju, playing a wood elf cleric named Aoife. And I'm Thomas, playing a changeling ranger named Pock. Welcome to Crit Storm. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Crit Storm Cast. Last time, our adventurers searched throughout the library. They kind of delved into a bit of the history. They pissed off the librarian. And more importantly, we had Pock go on his own supernatural experience. I found a book. (laughs) (laughs) Pock, I believe you owe the librarian a new rug. Lemmy, she's fascinated with your juggling skills. (laughs) I'm done then. Uh, Objective reached. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to coast this one out. All right, so you guys were uh, heading back to the uh, Ogre's Back, where you had just seen the owner, and he seemed to be in a bit of a mood. He was not too happy. He was dealing with some vandalism that was going on at his place. He had mentioned to you that uh, he and his wife used to run an orphanage, and uh, now it's uh, basically just, it's it's run down. No one wants it. Everyone says that it uh, it seems to be haunted. Wait, wasn't it called the Ogre's Eye? Oh, it is the Ogre's Eye. Sorry. The ogre's back is something different. That's after hours. It's around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> VIP only. <laughs> it's a hairy place. <laughs> All right, yeah. So you uh, you head back to the inn, and uh, by the time that you get there, after discussing and getting uh, the third best energy drink for Donnie, as well as the third best street tacos, going back to the inn, you uh, you find the familiar scene of the barkeep behind the bar, and he it's almost as if he has never left. His wife, again, is going about and clearing tables, talking to customers, and she sees you. She kind of gets that, like, glint of, like, a smile, and then immediately, like, kind of calms herself down and then heads back to the kitchen. There's not many people inside. It's uh, still a little bit early in the morning, you know, only about uh, 9.30-ish around that time. All right, I think I, I'm up for just going back to my room myself, but... Heads back to his room. You see that the bed has been made. Um, a fresh pitcher of water for washing has been left. And uh, everything, it just seems really neat. You know, like a, a mother's touch has been added to the room. <laughs> hmm. Well, I'm flying on third finest right now. I don't know if I'm going to be getting any sleep. <laughs> so I'm going to stay in the common room for the moment. Maybe have a chat with the gruff but unlovable barkeep. <laughs> I think Eva's right. probably going to want to go up and into her room and transfer a little bit. All right, you can do that. Hipster elf stuff again. Yeah, yeah Theranor will rest as well. Lemmy, as you are sitting down... I'm going to stay at a table, but uh, look around, see if maybe there's some patrons that are up for dicing. You do see two humans sitting at another table, and they're just kind of like casually having a conversation by the, to themselves, having a drink. A rather rugged-looking dwarf off in the corner near the fire, and he's you know, sitting, smoking his pipe, a mug of ale that is right next to him. But something tells you that it's not exactly his first of the day. I don't know if I want to bother a dwarf. Uh, I sidle up to the other two and say, uh, excuse me, gents. Uh, I was one want to know if anybody could teach me how to play dice. Uh, I'm not sure how what the rules are, how to play. They look at you and they say, well, I mean, what, what exactly are you, are you trying to play? I mean, what kind of game? I don't know. A little something fun to pass the time. Maybe, you know, wager a couple coppers. They bring up a game to you to say that uh, by rolling the dice, depending on the number that comes up, you have to try and finish your drink in that many seconds. All right. What's the wager? If you can finish the drink in the time that's allowed to you, then by all means, it's a copper piece. And each time you can add as many or as little as you want with a minimum of one copper. Might play a round or two. I got things to do later, so can't okay. uh, really dive into the game, but I'll give it right. a try. So uh, each of them wagers up one copper, and the first one decides to uh, roll the dice first, and he's like, ah, nine seconds. All right. So he uh, he orders a pitcher of ale, and he pours himself his uh, his pint, and he attempts to, uh, to glug all of that ale down in nine seconds, and he does it, does it, no problem. <laughs> and so he, he picks up the other... Uh, the other two pieces of copper, and he says, that's how you do it, little man. How about you? What do you got? Okay. Ten seconds. 
He says, oh, this should be easy for you. I'm assuming this is a constitution roll. Yeah. So if you can, if you can roll anything above a 15, you actually uh, make the drink. Okay, so con is plus zero. <laughs> One! <laughs> <laughs> so you try drinking so fast and you actually end up choking. Okay. <laughs> and so they have to, like, pat you on the back. <laughs> it's all part of his ruse. <laughs> and uh, they both look at you and they say, well, obviously you're not winning. <laughs> so the, the money for that round stays on the table. Yeah. And it just keeps adding up for next time. And the next guy rolls eight seconds, tries to down his drink, and he also fails. And at this point, it's kind of getting a little bit messy on the table. The the barkeep kind of looks over. <laughs> he doesn't like the fact that it's making a mess, but he also knows that each time that you guys play, when it's your turn, you have to buy a new drink. <laughs> so he's not entirely dismissive of the activity. Yeah. It comes around to the first man again, and he rolls his own. He's like, oh, four seconds. See, at this point, I'm going to give him a penalty. He'll actually take a negative two, since, like, the lower that it goes, there's going to be a horrible chance that he's not going to make it. And he does not. He also chokes up, and he spits out his drink. And now the money is uh, indeed piling up. Right about now, you can almost get to, uh, you know, you're close to a silver. Eight seconds. And five. I (laughs) I fail. They kind of look at you, and they say... Are you sure you want to play this game, Wee One? I'm starting to have second thoughts. <laughs> so the last man gives eight seconds as well, attempts to drink, and he, he chokes on it as well. And I mean, the more that it's happening, the funnier it's sort of becoming to all of them. Because really, even though it is a challenging game, it's really about sitting here and just laughing at everyone who can't do it. Yeah, while we're doing this, I'd like to chat them up and see if they know anything about what's going on in town. He, he kind of looks at you, squinting his eyes a bit, and he says, well, I mean, what are you, uh, what are you really looking for? Like, what kind of information are you asking about? Ah, you know, I'm just new here, and it's awful dark and gloomy, you know? Is it always like this, or...? He says, oh, well, I mean, it has its charm. I came here 20 years ago on a, on a boat, on a fishing vessel, and uh, we had to unload some fish. And honestly, you know, I just didn't feel like leaving. Kind of made myself a home here. Hmm. You get used to it. Uh, it grows on you. Good to know. I put another couple coppers on the table and bid them adieu. So the other one just grabs the money, and he eventually takes all that money back over to the barkeep, and he buys two more drinks. <laughs> And then they just enjoy themselves. Good enough. Didn't really reckon on a dice game that was constitution-based. <laughs> <laughs> the barkeep kind of eyeballs you, and uh, he kind of chuckles, and he says, we need to learn to hold and how to drink our liquor, don't we? I shrug and grin at him. Good-natured. The barkeep's wife tends to the table, cleans it up a bit, takes the empty glasses into the back. I'll go up and catch a brief nap. About... Four hours go by, five hours, and then there's that uh, that little uh, puck on your door. Yes. Can I help you? I get up from my bed and I quietly open the door and look behind it. No one's there. Ooh. Look down. It, it might be me. <laughs> <laughs> I have gotten in the habit of looking down first <laughs> because he's always up to something. <laughs> All right. I, I kind of peer out in the hallway and, and look around to see if I see anybody. No, you don't really, uh, you don't see anybody, but then suddenly you do hear a, uh, a door open and, uh, Theranor kind of pops his head out because Theranor, you had also received the same, uh, on your door. Mm. Does anything look amiss in the hallway? Nothing that you can really tell. From around the corner, you do see the barkeep's wife. She does come about with a set of towels and she's all like, oh, hello. Is there anything that you need? Even though I know the answer is going to be no, did, we'll ask her, did anyone walk past you? She shakes her head and she kind of looks about and, no, I've been up and down this hall about three times. I've been bringing fresh towels and pitchers of water to the uh, to the spare rooms. Was it you that knocked on my door? She said, no, you were resting. That's rather odd because I quite clearly heard three raps at my door. She looks a little puzzled, but she smiles and she says, it's an old building. Sometimes they have a life of their own. <laughs> Those darn old self-knocking doors. <laughs> right. Can I get self-knocking arrows, please? Those would be helpful. <laughs> it's called a crossbow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she kind of just looks at you and she says, well, if there's nothing else. And she kind of just meanders down the hall some more. Well, shall we head across town or out of town? 
<laughs> I'm going to go actually knock on everybody's door and see if we're all ready to go. Come on, knock on my door. Weren't we staying in the same room? Oh, yeah, that's right. There are only two rooms. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm I'm definitely ready to go check out this orphanage before it gets late and we have to go to the library. I uh, splash around in the basin and wash the ale off of myself. <laughs> I see him actually in the basin. <laughs> it's supposed to be for faces. He doesn't care. <laughs> like a bird bath. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you clean yourself up and uh, everyone gets ready and you can uh, you can venture out into the main hall. And uh, once again, barkeep sitting at his bar, his lovely wife is uh, actually having a chance to sit down as there's uh, there's no one else in the bar itself at the time. Do we want to mention to the bartender that we're heading over to the orphanage? Is there like, yeah, I want to see if he can give us like a key or something maybe. So you bring up the fact that you're going to go over to the orphanage and uh, he kind of he kind of eyes at you. And he's like, what do you want to go there for? You mentioned you were trying to get rid of it. Wouldn't mind yeah. checking it out. Maybe it's a place we're looking for. Yeah, maybe we're tired of renting and we can own in this lovely town. <laughs> he tells you that, I mean, it's not going to be easy. There's uh, there's obviously things that go on there that people are a tad scared, thinking that it's haunted and all. And suddenly, you know, the wife kind of like pokes her head over. They're going home. Our home. Mm-hmm. And she seems like so upset at him that he is apparently allowing anyone to go to the house. And so he he does hand you a key, though. And he says, fine, search what you want. And she just kind of like storms off in a huff. She seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll come back with good news for her. Yeah, do you guys, you guys don't want to talk to her first about this or do you just want to head out there? Nah. Eh, time, let's just head out. Every time we talk to her, <laughs> okay. it doesn't work out well for her, so... For <laughs> us, yeah. <laughs> you guys uh, venture off, head towards the the old orphanage. Welcome to the Adams Family Mansion. Yeah. For the listeners, this is about what this place looks like. As you uh, come up to this lovely little uh, domicile, it has sort of a welcoming vibe, but not one that you feel would be given to you in your lifetime. <laughs> yeah, it has a welcoming vibe to the dead. <laughs> you can look at it and see that it, it could have been at one point, like a lovely home. This could have been a place that, uh, you know, would have been very nice. Uh, almost like a little gym inside this city. I'm pretty good at, at spatial awareness uh, for where I've been and where I'm going and mapping terrain. It's actually one of my abilities. How does this place Re- like in reference to what I saw in my vision, does does this place match up with anything in there? This place does not match up to anything that you saw. Okay. How close to the library is it? You're about like a mile, a mile and a half from the library. Okay. So it's almost like a, a mile, mile and a half triangle between here, the library, and the, uh, the inn we're staying at? Yeah. Around the home itself, you actually have some small tombstones that seem to be set off into what appears to be like a backyard. Ah, um, that's how you sort of run an orphanage. That's <laughs> <laughs> Is this in the area of stuff that got eminent domained, or was that only around the library? So that was uh, predominantly around the library. Okay. And quite a long time ago, right? Yeah, and quite some time ago. But this is a dead area for some reason. Hmm. Well, the whole town seems to have a, a dead, <laughs> a dead to area to it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're allowed to be here. We even have a key. So um, yeah, let's uh, let's go inside it. Right. So as you are drawing closer to the front of the house, you you hear a soft whimpering that kind of draws your attention, and it's mainly coming from off to the side where like uh, a little barrage of trees are. Well, I mean, just like with the end, it's kind of an old building, so I'm sure it whimpers from. <laughs> Time to time. <laughs> I'd like to investigate. As you head towards the tree line, this you know small little section of trees, you actually notice two people hiding in in between the branches. Okay. Can I want to do a perception check and see if I can glean any information about these people? Okay. Age, size, whatever. Yep. Twelve. One seems to be a girl, and the other is a. It's 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 another smaller child. The other one is. It's not exactly like talking to the smaller one, but you're hearing this like, shh, 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 almost like trying to hush him. 
I guess I'll call out to them and tell them that they don't need to be scared. I'm not going to hurt them. One of the branches is pushed back and you see a young girl walk out with an even younger little boy. And the boy is weeping and clutching a stuffed doll. And, you know, the girl is trying to reassure and kind of like hush the boy. And they're like wiping away tears, but they also seem a bit... uh, a bit frightful to you. I love frightful children. <laughs> Please um, tell me you say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I do my best to interact with them. I'm not used to dealing with kids a whole lot, but uh, uh-huh. so I'm probably a little awkward when doing it. What's wrong? Why are you, why are you crying? What's bothering you? The orphanage is closed. You're going to have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so as she wipes away the boy's tears, the girl turns to you and she says, there's a monster in our house. Just because I'm curious about their physical state, I want to offer them a small bit of my rations. And as they take it, I want to like touch them on the shoulder to see if they're corporeal. The, uh, the girl is hesitant to take food. She looks at you and she says, no. I, I take a bite of the food first in front of her so that she can see it's not... There's nothing wrong with it. The little boy is eager to take a piece of your food. And so he he kind of like snatches out of your hand and he kind of like eats it a little bit. And did I manage to touch them at all? Or, or are they real? Uh, I mean, are you going to reach out and touch them? I mean, the boy kind of like just, he just kind of like took it out of your hand. I'd try to give like a reassuring pat as I handed it to him or something. Okay. Uh, so give me like a dex check because the, the closer that you try to get to touching him, um, they kind of like veer back. 23. Okay, so you're able to kind of like just pat the boy on the shoulder and he, he does like jerk back as you touch him. Okay, so we know that they're, they're, they're physical beings at the very least. Can, what can you guys tell me about this monster? When did, it, when did it get here? How long have you... Why are you living here? Nobody lives here. Like this is their home. They have nowhere else to go. They don't know what the monster looks like, but they can hear its terrible howls happening at night. I turn back to the everybody else and I, I kind of let them know, hey guys, these kids say that there's a monster inside here. Did you tell them that, uh, you know, we're monster hunters, you know, for hire? I mean, you guys can come talk with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to play telephone here. <laughs> uh, all right, so Ifo will walk over and uh, kind of kneel down by the kids and ask them, um, so there's a monster here. How long have you been living here if there's a monster inside? I mean, they just kind of like look at each other and they look back at you and they say, this is our home. Mama Mama and Papa would keep the monster at in, in the basement. They, they say we weren't allowed to go down there. And uh, where is your m- Mama and Papa? They, they went to go get food. How long ago? <laughs> well, we woke up and they were gone. We, we've been waiting for them. There's more kids. There's there's one up in the attic, and we sleep on the second floor. But you know, other kids go into the attic. Okay, this isn't creepy at all. And do you guys know who's been causing the mischief that upsets the bar owner? The the vandalism. What vandalism? What's what? It, what is vandalism? Uh, he 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 just keeps coming. He says he has to clean this place every day because something keeps messing it up i mean sometimes we play and then we 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 have a bit of a mess but we we try to clean it up we try to do it real quick papa gets mad huh is does do i recognize the boy from my vision you don't recognize (laughs) you uh you don't recognize the boy from your vision no kids so there's more in the attic how many of there how many how many of there are you would you say you know there's two here you're you and you and who else so she looks around and she kind of thinks to herself and she starts counting on her fingers and she looks up with kind of this somewhat happy face and but also kind of one of, you know, a little bit of concern. And she says, we have a big family. Mama says, the more there are, the more you can love. Papa always said there were too many to feed. The, the third floor is a nursery. We sleep on the second floor. At this point, I think we're all thinking the same thing. If we round up enough of these kids, we can start our own orphanage. <laughs> or appease whatever's inside. <laughs> um, I I kind of just want to go in and see if I can. F- I don't know. This the speaking of monsters is is really intriguing me. I want to find out what they're talking about. Lemmy eyes the stuffed animal, but then dismisses it. He's losing interest in the children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
so the wee one even caught you eyeballing his stuffed animal, and he kind of like grips it tighter and hides behind his sister, and he just kind of just stares at you. Okay, I made a sleight of hand <laughs> roll of 15. Just to, I've got like a pebble or something, and I'm making it vanish and making it reappear. His, his like instinct of trying like, you know, fight or flight is slowly fading as he like tugs on his sister's arm and then he points over to you and he looks back at her and he looks over at you but he's still kind of like hiding behind (laughs) I open my hand and the stone is gone and I walk away she looks down and she smiles at him and she just looks into his eyes and she says "Uh uh-huh magic yes I'm the most powerful sorcerer in our party (laughs) (laughs) Theranor looks at him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and casts Minor Illusion and puts a boulder in front of everyone. <laughs> oh, good God. You play with your stones, I'll play with mine. <laughs> Aoife's not amused by this childish display. If you guys are done measuring stones over there, <laughs> can, can we uh, check this place out? Well, this is disconcerting, though, Pac. Uh, if there's more children in there, I mean, in a monster, shouldn't we get the children out? Yeah, unless, I mean, what if... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it could be downstairs and the kids are safe upstairs, but yeah, we should probably explore the house a bit and make sure everybody's out. So the kids tell you that, you know, they're dreadfully scared of the house itself, even though it is their home, but they will not go back inside. That's probably for the best. You kids should stay out here. They tell you that they remember hearing a baby up on the third floor in the nursery, but they can't remember when. I want to try to get these kids out quickly. If there are kids in here, actually, can we, like, try to find an older kid to to get them to help organize getting everybody out of the house? I mean, if you wanted to get, if you wanted to go find someone. Let's consider this, though. If there is a monster, they're probably, it's probably drawn to kids. So if there's kids present, that'll, you know, maybe bring the monster. If that's what we're looking for. I don't know. Are you suggesting we use the children as bait? N- well, not yet. <laughs> Let me. Mostly. But, I mean, we're here, so, you know. <laughs> Which, I mean, it, it, there was going to be a monster and kids here regardless anyway, so. Uh, at least with our presence here, we have, like, a moderating effect, you know? Theranor shrugs and walks in the front door. Yeah, I okay. follow. I think we should definitely stay together in this house, though. Yeah, let's not split the party just yet. <laughs> I thought this place was just haunted. That's what the that's what the old man said. But obviously, it doesn't look like anyone has been to the house in quite some time. All right. So, what do what do we see in the in the entry room? Oil lamps hang from the uh, portico ceiling by chains, and uh, flanking a set of oaken doors that open into the grand foyer. You know it's fancy when it's a foyer instead of a foyer. <laughs> Hanging on the south wall of the foyer, there is a shield and uh, with a uh, coat of arms. And if you uh, take a closer look, it's uh, stylized in uh, with, a, with a golden windmill on a red field. And it's uh, flanked by framed portraits of a stony-faced aristocrats. Mahogany-framed double doors leading from the foyer into the main hall are set with panes of stained glass. Fancy orphanage. Yeah. And it's interesting enough because when you come when you come inside, it does seem that the outside has this aura of disrepair, but even coming inside, it almost looks as if it is uh like moderately kept. I mean, it's almost like a house that was kept in, you know, good condition, but just dust and age has taken its toll. Okay. So it is like very unlived on the inside? A bit. Yeah. Okay. Do I see any like footprints or anything from people walking around in here, even quietly? Mm, give me a uh, survival check. Seventeen. Okay. Nothing that you can tell. I mean, you look around and you definitely see your own footprints, but uh, nothing is really sticking out as if someone has uh, been here recently. So the kids that live here have left no footprints in the dust. Not that you can tell. Uh-huh. Well, they live on the second floor. <laughs> <laughs> Their name is Luna. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I want I want to head up towards the children. I guess, like you said, Eva, and see if we can get them out of the house. Yeah, let's round them up. At least investigate what's up. Yeah, what's going on. So let's work our way up the stairs. 
And so you have a, a wide hall that runs the, li- the width of the house. Black marble fireplace at one end and a sweeping red marble staircase at the other. Mounted on the wall above the fireplace is a long sword with a windmill cameo worked into the hill. The wood paneled walls are ornately sculptured with images of vines, flowers, nymphs, and satyrs. Does the windmill thing have any significance? Not to your knowledge. Not off the top of the hand. No, no references in any of them history books? Um, I mean, it could easily date back to a time when there was a bit, uh, when there was a bit more agriculture. Okay. But obviously, you'd probably have to like cross-reference some of the books, or maybe even take to someone who's a bit more knowledgeable about the history of the town itself. Before we go to the second floor, let's make sure there's nothing on this floor, because I don't want to get trapped, you know, on the second floor, like... Coming, coming back down, there could be there could be something if we don't uh, thoroughly check this place out first. All right. Makes sense. The big room that's off to the uh, left-hand side there by the stairs, I want to peek into there. So as you, uh, as you peek into this room, you see an uh, oak-paneled room that looks uh, sort of like a hunter's den. Mounted above the fireplace is a stag's head, and positioned around the outskirts of the room are three stuffed wolves. Two padded chairs drape in an animal, and animal furs face the hearth with an oak table between them supporting a cask of wine, two carved wooden goblets, a pipe rack, and a candelabrum. A uh, a chandelier hangs above the uh, cloth-covered table surrounded by four chairs, and there's two cabinets standing against the walls. The east cabinet sports a lock from this distance that you see uh, could be a bit of trouble unless you have the right skills to open it. And the north cabinet, uh, off to the side as well, seems to also have a lock in it. Or on. Yeah, there might be some kids in need of rescuing in those cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> and just to clarify again, uh, the floor is like dusty enough that if anyone has been through here, there would be footprints, right? Yes, to the best of your understanding, that should be the case. <laughs> Am I the only one that is not thinking there are living children in this house, given there are no signs of it being occupied? Of course, we're all kind of thinking that, but we're, I'm not sure uh, if I if we can just dismiss it like that either. Uh, I, I can dismiss a great number of things. <laughs> <laughs> I know for sure that the kids outside were real, so that says you something. You think they were real. I touched them. <laughs> just because you're fondling the ghosts doesn't mean that's what they are. <laughs> so this room, I'm fairly certain, is clear, and I, I hope that w- I'm not worried about looting anything at the moment. I'm just looking for people. I just want to know that we're not going to get somebody coming from behind. So I'm satisfied with closing the door in that room. Okay. Can I look at the peer in the door of the top right? So opening the door, you look inside and you see uh, a centerpiece of a wood panel dining room is carved completely out of mahogany and surrounded by eight high-backed chairs with sculpted armrests and cushioned seats. A crystal chandelier hangs above the table, which is covered with resplendent silver and crystal ware polished to a dazzling shine. This room seems pristine. Mounted above the marble fireplace is a mahogany-framed painting of an alpine veil. The wall paneling uh, is carved with elegant images of deer among the trees. And a, uh, a red silk drapes cover the windows and uh, a tapestry depicting hunting dogs and horse-mounted aristocrats chasing after a, wo- after a wolf and a fox from an iron rod bolted to the south wall. And this is pristine, so is there no dust? This place is ready for a dinner party. Oh, huh. Um, I'm going to just shut the door and back out and... Okay. Um, and let, let the party know that that room is clear of any living beings. Oh, also, I have to ask, I think that's the kitchen down in the bottom right, but it appears to have a toilet in it. Yes, I saw the same thing. <laughs> that's, that's actually pretty a pretty efficient design. <laughs> going to go through the door and find out. So upon entering this room, you find a rather t- a rather tidy kitchen with dishware and cookware and utensils neatly placed on the shelves, a work table and a cutting board and a rolling pin atop it. Uh, a stone dome-shaped oven stands near the east wall. It's <laughs> bent iron stovepipe connecting to a hole in the ceiling. And behind the stove to the left is a, uh, a thin door that you uh, would have to go over and open up if you want to see where it goes to. 
Um, yes, I will. Uh, but you mentioned like tidy. So is this room also cleaned and non-dusty? This one seems uh, that it's all in order, but obviously it's clean and it's ready to go. It just looks like a kitchen, a kitchen that has been in uh, a bit of a haste to uh, prepare a meal. Like it actually smells pretty good when you go inside. So it, it seems used recently. Yes, yes, it okay. does. This is not a toilet, but another. <laughs> <laughs> Anything can be a toilet, really. <laughs> <laughs> the world is my toilet. All right. So um, going over to the small door, you can open it up and you actually see that it is a dumb waiter. Now, that's not nice just because, you know, maybe he's not the <laughs> smartest. <laughs> so it is a uh, it is a two foot wide stone shaft that is containing a wooden elevator uh, box attached to a simple rope pulley mechanism. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm, okay, um, could I check the, the the back room as well? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You go to the door and you open it up and inside you see a pantry that is just, it, it appears to be fully stocked with uh, food. And everything is fresh? I mean, as far as you can tell, yeah. Well, yeah, it appears to be. Hmm. Would you like to try yes. something? Yes, I would. So, uh, I mean, you have flour. <laughs> I'll try the flour. <laughs> well, I mean, some people will eat what they want. I mean, you have vegetables, you have fruit. Um, you actually have a hanging rack of lamb that huh. seems to be kind of aging. We'll just grab a piece of fruit just to check it. Reach over and you grab an apple. Looks really nice. Bite into it. It's completely rotten. No, no, no. It's not completely rotten. It's a, you know what? It, it, it tastes okay, but I mean, it's a, it's a little bland. Like abnormally, not not like old, but just something's off. No, just like like there's no no sweetness to it. Uh, Almost has like it's like like no taste. So it's not even like the third best apple he's ever had. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like uh, this place is haunted. Let's get out. <laughs> I mean, you you are clearly biting into the apple. You're eating the apple, but it. Again, it seems like the apple has no life to it, but it's just there. It's almost like you're eating jicama. Jicama's kind of nice. Um, <laughs> interesting. Try a vegetable, too, just for curiosity's sake. Same thing, but into a nice uh, big carrot. And uh, again, no real taste. Uh, nothing that you recognize being that of a nice juicy apple or a uh, almost, a, almost a sweet carrot. Oh. Okay, here's the real test. Is there any jicama in there? <laughs> Hickama tastes You're, like an apple. Find no Hickam. <laughs> I want to check out this other little room that's in between the main room and the dining room. So you uh, you go over and you open the door and you find a cloak room. It uh, seems to be filled with several black co uh, cloaks hanging on hooks from the walls, and a top hat sits on the high shelf. I take the top hat instantly because Dang I it. know, I just know. Lemmy's gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you now have a top hat. Um, come out of the room, and is Lemmy still in the uh, the center room here? Yeah. All right, I flourishly tossed the top hat to him in a frisbee style, and I, I really wanted to land on his head. <laughs> You're gonna have to dex roll that. <laughs> 19. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dex is one of my specialties. So you uh, you toss that over to him and it just like gracefully floats and indeed lands on his head. Do I feel any different? You feel fancy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I asked Pac if there's any child-sized cloaks or anything in that room. Hey, I, I got the hat for you. I'm not a I'm not a clothier here. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, bolstered by my new confidence, <laughs> I start up the stairs. He's standing a full seven inches taller now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe okay. the librarian will notice you now. <laughs> you have Lemmy, you know, going up the stairs. What's I'm uh, gonna follow him? <laughs> Yeah, I'll come out of the kitchen with my apple and carrot and follow. <laughs> I will bring up the rear. <laughs> Still eating it. So <laughs> he, he doesn't care if it doesn't taste like anything. He's just no, he's it anyway. walking up the stairs saying, these are terrible, and just continues to take a bite out of it. <laughs> I don't care if it's a ghost apple or not. Mom told me not to waste food. <laughs> <laughs> there are kids in Waterdeep who don't even get ghost apples. Anybody want a bite of my bland apple? My, uh, my blapple? <laughs> Your blapple? <laughs> no, thank you. Okay, so you come to the upper hall, 
And uh, here you have unlit oil lamps that are mounted onto the walls of this this elegant hall. Hanging above the mantelpiece is a uh, a wood framed portrait of a family. You have uh, two individuals in the uh, in the painting, and then you have a uh, you have two smiling children that are also in the painting as well. Oh, in the painting, okay, good. <laughs> so uh, one is uh, kind of having like strong arms down by the side, and one is. Uh, solely on the boy's, you know, uh, shoulder. And also in the painting, you have uh, the mother is almost like, you know, clinging tight to the other child's shoulders and just, you know, almost like uh, a careful, a careful uh, hold. Is it the barkeep and his wife? Getting a little bit closer to the painting itself, you do notice a, uh, a slight resemblance that it is indeed the barkeep and his wife. Hmm. Okay, so at least that makes sense a little bit. These guys were clearly like nobility until whatever misfortune made them leave this house. Standing suits of armor flank wooden doors in the east and west walls. Each suit of armor clutches a spear and has a visor helmed shaped like a wolf's head. The doors are carved with dancing youths and uh, the, uh, the red marble staircase that you started on the first floor continues upwards. Okay, so I don't touch or offend the suits of armor in any way. Okay. I do. (laughs) I don't know why, but as soon as I heard about or saw one of these, I just had this urge to touch the face of one of them. Because it's a wolf face, right? Uh, One is indeed a wolf face. Then I touch the wolf face. Roll for initiative. (laughs) (laughs) Like, are you just like poking at it and then retracting your hand? Are you going to, like, you know, open up the visor, caress the metal out of what are you doing? Uh, she's just gonna put just, like, three fingers, just kind of press it onto the the muzzle of the face. Just a, just a light touch. You touch the suit of armor, and, uh, I mean, it just, it's just cold to the touch. But... Nothing happens. Like if you if you kind of like poke at it with your fingers, it it sort of kind of like jolts the armor. But it, I mean, not to like make it sway or fall over or anything. But uh, it is definitely a uh, a solid you know suit of armor standing there. All right, she didn't expect anything to happen. She just really wanted to touch it. Okay, <laughs> you can wear plate, right? Yeah, I want to check out the piano room. Before he does that, I just made a sneak roll of fourteen. I am going to hide in one of the upper corners of the room. You uh, you suddenly notice that Lemmy is gone. Man, that little guy. Do I see the top hat sticking up somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You uh, you do not see the top hat anywhere. It just helps me blend into the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> and then I open that door and yeah. peer inside. Gossamer drapes cover the windows of this elegantly appointed hall, which has a, a brass-plated chandelier that is uh, hanging from the ceiling. Upholstered chairs line the walls and stained glass walls and hangings depict a beautiful, beautiful men and women and children singing and playing instruments. Almost like, you know, there's just a, a rousing chorus of, of everyone being all happy. And a, a harpsichord with a bench rests in the northwest corner. And near the fireplace is a large standing harp. Alabaster figurines of well-dressed dancers adorn the mantelpiece, and the room is inviting. I'm not here for that, honestly. I'm just checking the rooms to see if anything dangerous is inside. I'm not, I don't find myself overly curious here, and I'm really wanting to get up to the attic as quickly as possible, so I'm good just knowing that nobody's in there. Okay. Theron thinks we need to steal this house. <laughs> well, nobody wants to buy it, so we can get it for cheap. Could always use a, a headquarters. Yeah. <clears throat> Aoife's kind of curious because she's seen a couple of wolves uh, imagery. And is there any way, like, I could do, like, a religion check to see if there's some deity associated with, like, a wolf or something? Yeah, you could. Okay. That would be a six. Nothing is really coming to your uh, to your forefront. She is puzzled. <laughs> if you voice this at all, I'm willing to make the same check because of my nature background. Um, I'm kind of noticing all the same stuff. These wolves and stuff seem out of place in a town. So I'm willing to. I mean, do you voice your concern here? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Well, I'm like staring at this armor. You might have seen me like touch the face, and I'm just muttering like wolves, wolves. All right, I want to see if I can do any better than a six. 
16 plus, you said this was nature? Or nature, so 18, uh, 19. So, I mean, even even like a knowledge nature, nothing is really coming back except for the fact that, I mean, this is obviously depicting a wolf. I mean, maybe the family <laughs> the family had a fascination with wolves. It could have been like a house sigil. Uh, but nothing is coming back to the ideals of this is, you know, depicting a certain god or even goddess. Do you want to check out the other rooms before we head up farther? Or? Yeah, sure. I'll go on the top right. You are coming to what appears to be a library. Red, red velvet drapes cover the windows of this room and an exquisite mahogany desk <laughs> and a matching high back chair face the entrance and the fireplace, above which hangs a framed picture of a windmill perched atop a rocky crag. And situated in the corners of the room are two overstuffed chairs and floor-to-ceiling bookshelves line the south wall and a rolling wooden ladder allows one to more easily reach the higher shelves. Can I give the books a once-over, see if there's anything interesting? Also, we shouldn't let Eva in here. Uh, there's books. She might make this yeah. burn down. <laughs> Going over and looking at the books, you see hundreds of tomes, and they seem to be covering a variety of different topics, such as history and warfare and even a little bit of alchemy. Um, hmm. There are several shelves that contain what you could possibly uh, take away as first edition collected works and poetries uh, po- uh, and works of fiction and poetry. Uh, wow. Yeah. If I cared about poetry, I would take them away. Right, I'm going to check the lower right-hand room. You come across what appears to be a servant's quarter. Um, it's under-decorated, contains a pair of beds with straw-stuffed mattresses, and the air is kind of stale. And at the uh, the foot of each bed, there is a, a foot locker. And there are uh, tidy servant uniforms that hang from the hooks in the adjoining closet. You said this room is stale. Have all the other rooms seem fairly fresh? Fresher than this, but you also kind of like, if you look around in this room itself, it doesn't seem like there's a great deal of uh, ventilation Okay. in the room itself. Have any of these re- rooms up here on this floor appeared used like downstairs, or have they all been pretty dusty empty? Um, no. I mean, they're they just kind of like seem as if they were just left. Like, nothing seems out of place or even disturbed. It definitely seems that there is a, uh, yeah, just almost like the air of, uh, life was taken from the place. Hint, hint. You know, Theranor, give me, uh, give me a, um, give me a perception check. Okie dokie. Uh, 13. So, uh, going along the books, you find yourself really drawn to this one that has a, a red covered spine. But a blank spine, it has no markings upon what the book actually is, and upon grabbing the book and pulling it out, it uh it doesn't it doesn't give way from the bookshelf, but rather pulls at an angle and you hear this click. And as you let it go back, part of the bookshelf springs open. Sweet. And there's an opening behind it. I shall investigate. Go inside and uh the door shuts behind you, but on the inside you can clearly see there is a handle to reopen it. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> so, inside this room it contains a few bookshelves. It's packed with tomes describing what you could only determine is like demon summoning or fiend summoning rituals. And I will take ne- all of them. <laughs> and the necromatic r- uh, rituals of a cult called the Priest's of Ossibus. And knowing you and your love of dark things, this is this is a delightful find. This is just that moment where you're like, mm, I'm glad I bathed today because I already <laughs> feel dirty. <laughs> what was the uh, name of the cult again? Priests of what? The Priests of Ossibus. O-S-Y-B-U-S. There is also a, a heavy wooden chest and it has, a, it has clawed iron feet as it stands against the south wall. And its lid is half closed. <laughs> or half open. If this were Dark Souls, I would stab the chest because I don't trust it. <laughs> Does anything look trapped or funky about it? Do you want to approach the chest a little closer? Why are you asking me like that? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> okay. So sticking out of the chest, you actually see there is a skeleton in leather armor. Do you want to look a little closer? Half half in it or? Like part of them, like their arm is kind of in it, but the rest of them is almost like hanging out of it. So like you they died to... trapped trying to grab something in the chest? Possibly. Would you like to oh, inspect? Okay. Oh yeah, let's, let's just keep going. <laughs> okay. So upon closer inspection, you find out that the skeleton actually belongs to someone who possibly triggered what you can determine from giving it a once-over 
a poison dart trap. Three darts are stuck in the dead adventurer's armor and rib cage, and the dart firing mechanism inside the chest no longer functions. Oh, spiffy. Let's check it anyway and okay. see if we can find any other traps. <laughs> All right, so looking inside and you open it up once again, clutched in the skeleton's hand, you find is a letter bearing a seal and which the adventurer tried to remove it from the chest. I would like to take a look at that letter. Uh, the seal itself is uh, uncracked. <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> you see this like lovely and embroidered S. Do you crack it open? Um, yes. Did we ever get the barkeep's name? No, you did not. Okay. Yeah, let's crack it open anyway. Looking inside, you see a handwritten letter in very, very, like, astute penmanship. And it reads, My most pathetic servant, I am not a messiah led to you by the dark powers of this land. I have not come to lead you on a path to immortality. However, many souls have led and bled on your hidden altar. However many visitors you have tortured in your dungeon, know that you are not the ones who brought me to this beautiful land. You are but worms writhing in my earth. You say that you are cursed, your fortunes spent. You abandoned love for madness and took solace in the bosom of another woman and sired a stillborn son, cursed by darkness, of that I have no doubt. Save you from your wretchedness? I think not. I much prefer you as you are. Your dread lord and master. And then it's just a signed S. Well, that sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) So if you continue to look into the chest, you find three blank books with black leather covers. Um, You find three scrolls and the deed to the house. You also find the deed to a windmill and a signed will. All of these things are going into pockets, just as a note. (laughs) What's the uh, will say? All right, so the will is signed that it basically bequeaths the house, the deed to the windmill, and all of their family property to people who are known as Rose and Thorn, or in the event of their deaths. The books and scrolls and the deeds, they age, uh, they, they, lo- they look a bit aged, you know, like they've been there for a while. Interesting, and what do the scrolls uh, appear to be or have on them? From your knowledge of the arcane, you can uh, see that they are definitely like magical scrolls. Yeah, we're keeping those for sure. Interesting. And you said the books are, they appear empty? Uh, The books are blank. Are they magically blank? (laughs) They are blank. Well, thank you. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm definitely keeping those scrolls. Bless is great. Why would the barkeep claim that this is their house when the deed is here? And hmm, we need to find out what their names are. Well, the barkeep might be Thorn and maybe his wife is Rose. Or the kids could be Rose and Thorn. Maybe the barkeep is Rose. We shouldn't assume. That's that's a good point. Although if your name is Thorn or Rose, then you obviously have to marry the other. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe the other person's name is Bush and you can be Rose Bush. (laughs) If we didn't want to buy this place, um, Lemmy, how are your forgery skills? (laughs) Um, I don't think I have forgery skills. Just change Rose and Thorn to our party. (laughs) While it is not exactly the most honorable thing, why do we have to buy anything? We have the deed. True. And I don't know if anybody wants to uh, claim that we stole it from their devil death house. <laughs> this is true. Your hidden room full of necromantic tomes? Hmm, yeah, that's where we found it. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move upstairs to the attic to see if kids are still up there? I suppose I should actually come out and let everyone know what I found. Yeah, that... <laughs> Just walk out, don't say anything. Just hang on to all that. <laughs> I want this house. <clears throat> I kind of want to know where this hidden altar is, too. In his thing, he said, many souls, or many, uh, many souls, you have blood on your hidden altar. I remember that thing in the bottom of the library that looked altar-ish? Right. Many souls, all the people who sacrificed their lives for the library. The library's evil. Oh, this is getting worse and worse. This is getting delightful. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the word I would choose, Theranor. All right, shall we head upstairs, my friends? (laughs) Yeah. Lemmy, do you want to come wherever you went? (laughs) (laughs) You guys are all in the main hall. They're all like like right here. Okay. Yeah. So all the rooms have been entered. 
secret passageways, although I'm not familiar, I'm not aware of that. Everything's been done mostly, except for nobody, you know, noodled around on the harpsichord. Um, right. But the suits of armor are still inanimate. Oh yeah, they're just okay. they're just standing there. I leave my spot in the corner. You you see a small shadow emerge from behind a suit of armor, and you guys can uh, make your way upstairs. Sweet. Got some scrolls, eh? I got a hat. <laughs> Obviously, we know who the real winner is here. <laughs> I also have the deed to the house. I guess this hat is yours then. <laughs> I bequeath it upon you. <laughs> All right. You uh, you climb the red marble staircase into its full height and come to a uh, a dusty balcony with a, a suit of uh, black plate armor standing against one wall draped in cobwebs. Okay. Oh, so cobwebs are back now. Disuse is back. Oil lamps are mounted on the uh, black paneled walls, which are uh, covered with woodland scenes of trees, falling leaves, and tiny critters. And there you go, Ifa. From one of the spare rooms, you can hear there is the faint cry of a baby. I've seen enough horror movies. This isn't good. I'm of the type where when I'm in a new place and I hear something weird, I go to every other room first. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Well, I mean, it's Theranor's house, so that's his baby to check out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that. I cast major armor on myself. Okay. Aoife's gonna also follow him in with her okay. mace ready. As you guys approach that door and you come closer to the door, as soon as you put your hand on the knob in order to open the door, you hear this string of metal being run across from each other. And if you turn around, gentlemen, facing you guys, you see the suit of armor come to life. Oh, and yeah. and Aoife, since you are right, in the, right behind Theranor, oh. following him in, you turn around and you see this black, almost like obsidian colored sword come right down on top of you. And we'll pick it up next time. <laughs> no! <laughs> we actually finally almost got the- Thank you for weathering the storm with us. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CritStormCast. Rate and review on Apple Podcast, and please recommend us to your friends. Look to the horizon for more Crit Storms.